We are going to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11. If you've got your Bibles, get them out. If you use your iPhones, that's fine too. Nobody's going to run you out of the building. But when you hear the term first responder, what do you think about? Think about an EMT, uh, uh, an ambulance, maybe a, a fireman, a policeman, um, maybe the military. Well, I want you to kind of reconsider that term first responder as first responsibility. First responsibility, because you are responsible, whether, whatever age you are, whatever background you have, whatever walk of life you are in, you have responsibility, right? Everyone does. Responsible, if you are, to be responsible, let me give you a definition. Having an obligation to do something or having control or care for someone as part of one's job or role. So I want you to think for just a minute, what is your first responsibility? If you had to list them, maybe you'd say, oh my gosh, Pastor, I've got 50. Okay, list the top five. More than likely, the bottom 45 aren't that important. You just kind of think they are. But the top five, if you've got 50, if you've got five, then list the top two or three. Or go ahead and list all five. But get them in order of importance. Because we're going to talk this morning about our responsibility, part that lies on us, that God has placed us in a, in a position of responsibility. Do you know that he wants the kingdom of God to rule? He wants us to rule the earth while he's gone. We have the spirit of God to rule the earth. He has given us authority. Do you know that? Authority for his kingdom. His authority he's given us. Another way to put authority is responsibility. We are responsible for certain things as the body of Christ. You as a parent have certain responsibilities. Now, you may not be fulfilling them. You may not even know that it's there for you to fulfill, but it's still your responsibility as a parent, right? As a student, you have a responsibility to show up to class, to read the syllabus, to look at the, um, I forget what they call it. Um, I'll just leave it. Um, I'll just leave it at that. What is it when they have the little blocks that show you exactly what's responsible for that project? Rubric. Thank you. Students, you guys all get a rubric, right? Yeah. No? What's a rubric? Yeah. <laughs> a rubric lays out what's expected. If you fulfill it all, you usually have a chance at making 100. So, first responders. I want you to look at uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. Now, I want to give a little bit of background because we're talking about David. You guys know David? David and Goliath? If you read on past David and Goliath and after he becomes king and after he dies, you still continue to read about him throughout the Old Testament, even through the New Testament. And it's usually about how great David was as a king. Other kings lined up saying this king was a good king, but he wasn't as good as David. Didn't do the things that David did. So David did a lot right. And we also read in Scripture that David was a man after God's own heart. Right? Are you all with me? David was a good guy. Made mistakes, but David was a good guy. So let's look at this. In the spring... In the spring of the year when the kings normally go out to war... 
in the spring when the kings normally go out to war. Now, I want you to know David was a king. And if you don't know this about David, he was a warrior. He wasn't just a warrior. He was a, an awesome warrior. He was a warrior that people sang songs about. Saul killed his thousands. David killed his ten thousands. He was known for his war, for his being a warrior. So in the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind when the kings were normally at war. So where should David have been? At war. He should have been at war. It was known. So look at verse 2. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of his palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. So David's not where he's supposed to be. He's now up having his morning coffee when he should be out working, doing what he's called to do, doing what everybody knows he should do by the world's standards as well as by God's standards as the king. But here he is walking around on the rooftop, spies, sees a woman. Verse 3. He sent someone to find out who she was. He was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, that information should have helped too. But unfortunately, we are on a sequence of events of bad decision making. Can anybody see it? Now he's just been told who she is. That should have now stopped the process. But un unfortunately, David was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right? Okay, so let's keep going. Verse 4. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after, after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home. Verse 5. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent a message. She sent David a message saying, I am pregnant. Right? I have, uh, my wife and I, please forgive me if this, I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but I'm just going to, if you guys don't know me, I just kind of say it how it is. Why not do it that way? I don't know any other way to do it. But Elizabeth and I have been watching the series Downton Abbey. So, a few of you like it, some may not. But something I noticed in the first season and a little bit of the second season is at the end of almost every episode, there was this loud music, and then it went from person to person's face and their expression. And it felt like a soap opera. It is a soap opera. I agree. We, 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 they take things from daytime, put them at night, and call it a series, and we act like it's okay, but it's really a soap opera. So, can you see the timeline of being in the wrong place, 
making wrong decisions, and now he's got a problem. And it doesn't stop there. I am going to stop there with the story, but it doesn't stop there. It gets worse. He goes and tries to get the husband back from war, pulls him where he shouldn't be, tries to get him to sleep with his wife so they can cover up the scandal. The guy won't sleep with his wife because he feels too bad about the soldiers at war. So David sends him to the front line, makes the rest of the line pull back so that he's killed. I mean, can you not see how bad, I mean, can things get worse? Now I want to ask you about David. We don't know these answers, but I want to assume two things. Was David starting to grow away from the Lord? Sometimes when you start making bad decisions and you're not making good judgment, we need to be able to ask ourselves, what is wrong with my decision making? But the other question was, had David gone to war, would he have been put in a place of desperate need of the Lord and turned his heart back to him? Can anybody follow that? That when the Lord calls us to be somewhere, it's for a purpose. It's not just to win the war, but it's to keep your heart going in the right direction. And that when I'm where I'm supposed to be, even though I don't like the sound of it and I don't even want to be there, it puts me in a position of dependence on God. I believe there's so many things at stake. As, as long as we are fulfilling our responsibility, we, we, can, we stay in a place of protection. And I want to show you the same thing. I'm not going to read it to you, but Jonah. You guys know the story of Jonah? I've picked two big, big people from the Word that I believe most people know. Jonah was a prophet. God told him to go to Nineveh and talk to these losers, sinners, doing everything wrong. It was definitely the wrong side of the tracks. Everything that could be bad was going on there. And said, I want you to go and tell them to stop doing what they're doing. And Jonah's like, no. I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm going this way. And you all know the story. He got swallowed by a huge fish, repented, was spit back out, and then he went to do what he was called to do. Right? Sometimes I wish God would swallow me in a fish to keep me from going stupid. I mean, I don't think I would have enjoyed that experience in the fish, in his vomit, acid breakdown. You know what, you know what your stomach does to break down food? Well, don't you think Jonah was swimming in that? I mean, that's a wake-up call, right? I'm in a fish. I'm not dead. What did I do wrong? Oh, I had a responsibility. All I had to do is just go and do what I was supposed to do. I'm a prophet. I'm supposed to go prophesy. Well, I don't want to go do that. Well, then here's your other option. So I want, I want to just encourage you this morning to consider what your responsibilities are. We're not even going to over-spiritualize this thing. David was a king. He was supposed to do king things. Let me ask you this question. What are you? Who are you? A mom? A student? An employee? A wife? A husband? Someone in the community? Who are you? Where are you supposed to be? I want to give you a kind of a positional scripture. Second 
Oops, 2 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you don't know this one, you need to know it for your kids and for yourself. Abstain from all appearances of evil. The appearance of evil, you know this is positional. If there is an appearance of evil going on, move away from it. Have you ever heard the expression, you are who your friends are? You may not think so. You may not quite be there yet, but you will be. You are who your friends are. So do me, do the Lord and yourself and your family a favor and look at who your friends are. Is that what I want to be? Doesn't mean we're disowning or running necessarily, cutting off all ties, but you know what? Is my heart there? Where is my heart? So with David, we could question that David had started moving away. Where is his heart? But we can also question, had he gone, would his dependence on the Lord have come through at that time to help draw him closer because he was where he was supposed to be? Abstain from all appearance of evil. This one, if you'll really let it go down deep, will, will really shake your foundation. Because we go through life making decisions and compromising, going into compromising situations. And don't realize what the effect is on those decisions that you're making. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. This is from the message. It says, don't be bluffed into silence by the threats of bullies. There's nothing they can do to your soul, your core being. Save your fear for God who holds your entire life, body and soul, in his hands. We so get dragged into, and this is going to sound like such a cliche word, peer pressure. Keeping up with the Joneses, trying to have the right appearance, trying to look like we've got it all together. Um, it's so funny to sit down with people and watch my family put on the best version of our family. Knowing we've got challenges going on and watching other families that I know they're going through challenges and putting on the best version of theirs. But the important thing is not what the other person on the other side of the table thinks. The important thing is the one that has control over our soul, our body, and our spirit. That if I will line up with him, his word tells me that he's going to take care of me at all, at all points. We looked Wednesday night at a scripture where the children of Israel had been blessed. God had provided a land, but the children of Israel had to go possess that land. And if they would go possess that land, that it said that all of the promises of God were fulfilled. All of them. And it said, when you find yourself in this situation, return home. Return home. What that means is return to, to the land that the Lord has provided for us. Return home. I want to encourage you, if you've strayed out from under kind of your responsibility, return home. Return home. You remember how we talked about two weeks ago? That we raise our children in the way that they should go. And I turned that back on to you in the way that the Lord has created you to go. Not in the way that your parents have tried to force you to go. Not in the way that circumstances have forced you to go. 
but how has God made you? And which way is he calling you to go? And I want to encourage you to return home. So let me just try to, try to put this into, in, into application. Husbands and wives. I think sometimes we fight so hard for our marriage when all we need to do sometimes is, is just look at what is my role as husband and try to get back under that, that covering of what is my responsibility as the husband. What does God's word say? What can I read to learn how to be a good husband? And am I being a good husband? Wives, same thing. Are you being a godly spiritual wife? What is my responsibility? We are to study and learn and do those things. I can tell you I have failed miserably. Elizabeth and I have been married together for 23 years, and I have failed in so many ways. But she and I both are trying really hard to learn, to learn each other, and to do the right things. There was a time when we were first married, um, and there was a video game that came out that was called Tomb Raider. Any of you older, 40-ish people remember that game? A few of you do. It was the hottest, neatest thing, and I, we, had the, we had a PlayStation, I guess, or whatever. And we had had our first child, and I found myself zoning out into that game. Now, I'm not a huge gamer, but it really was a way for me just to escape, to escape life. And, I mean, life was going on, and there I was sitting playing video games. Now, you young people, I know you're thinking, Man, of all the Sundays to come, I should have missed this one. But there came a time when the Lord and my wife sat me down and we talked about the video game I was playing. And can we not just find a happy medium? There was also a time my wife was pregnant with our second child. We had our first one. They were 18 months apart, and she literally physically could not walk up the stairs with Rita Marie, with Pete in her belly to take her up to give her a bath. And she asked me to start giving her a bath. Well, my dad never gave us baths. No, I don't do that. It's not what I do. And you know what? She accepted it. And there she was dragging her poor little body up the stairs trying to get up there. And I found myself just making a decision, even though I was frustrated, I'm going to hate this, I'm just going to do it. She's trying to pressure me into doing this. And I started doing it, and it became one of my most favorite things that I did. It connected me to my child. It connected me to my wife. It connected me as a dad. But no, I didn't want to do it, and I wasn't raised to do it. But it was a decision that I had to make. Now, I've made a, a thousand bad ones to my one good one. You guys, hopefully, you guys understand that. But parents, just being there. Do you know that there is a connection that happens from the time a child is born until about the time they're two? They are making connections in their brain that can only be made then. And if a parent is absent, if that love and cuddle and that holding the child, now Elizabeth was going to be here and share this part because she can get it right. I'm going to kind of give big brush strokes. But if that's missed, like a child is orphaned or a child um, is born into a drug family where the parents are completely checked out, that those connections can never be made. They can only be made in that time frame. And God has made this so that if we'll just fulfill our responsibility and just be there, whether we're perfect or imperfect, those connections get made. 
So parents, be there. At an early age during development, be available. Husbands, you're called to be a provider. Go to work. Parents, we're called to lead and guide. Not the school system, not the government, us. We're called to lead and guide. I want to encourage you, have table time. Have Starbucks time. Mine are getting older now, so the only way I can really even get them to sit down is to bribe them with Starbucks. It's really not true, but it is kind of true. If I will feed them, they will listen. It sounds like if you'll build it, they will come. If you feed them, well, they, they don't have any choice. I'm giving them the food. They have to sit down with me. Now I get to talk. Do you see the connection of food? There's a connection with food. In your job, find your role. Your role is not to tell your boss everything that they're doing wrong and to be entitled and to be owed. Your job is there to serve that boss. Change your way of thinking. Come under responsibility and fulfill your responsibility. What's going to happen is God is going to find you at war when you're supposed to be at war and meet your need. When you're not at war when you're supposed to be at war, you're going to miss your need. In fact, it's going to go incredibly wrong. Same thing with the, with the body of Christ. You have a place. Church, you have a responsibility. If you're just coming on Sunday mornings just to sing and to have a good time, you're missing your responsibility. You have a part to play. I'm not here to sign you up to go pull weeds. That's uh, always what I suggest, and all my car wash guys just cringe. Oh, God, pull weeds. Because that's what we did. Hey, boys, no cars to wash. Let's go hit the hill. And they're all singing hallelujah, yay, we get to go pull weeds. But that's not what I'm saying. God changed my life. When he snuck up on me and put me in the sound booth, I did not see it coming. He was so good to me to catch me off guard and put me where my heart was. It was, it was the most incredible thing. I didn't get it. My wife didn't get it. Her head's still spinning from that whole process, from what God did in my life from that point. So I want to encourage you. Guys, poker night, consider where you're supposed to be. Going out with friends, consider where you're supposed to be. I'm telling you, what looks good isn't. Be at home. Be at home. Ladies, be at home. I'm not telling you not to work. I'm not going into that. We need to work. We all have different stuff going on. But when it's time to be home, be home. And I don't mean be home and checked out. Be home. Find your place. God is desiring to bless you. He's desiring to find you at war and to bless your work. Amen? Where are you supposed to be? Where are you supposed to be? And if you don't know, that's great. Start looking. Get in the Word of God. Start asking your spouse. Start asking those around you, what do you see in me? 
if I can have, if we can have a couple meal times together, then ask me what I see in you, because I'll tell you. It's part of my gift as an administrator is to see value in other people and help put them where they're supposed to go. Ask me. I'll tell you, you may not like what you hear. I don't think that you wouldn't like it. When it lines up with your spirit, when it lines up with your soul, when it lines up with your flesh, and it lines up with God, something's right. Ask your spouse, what am I good at? Oh, get ready, spouses, to give a good response. Try to find something good. (laughs) Sometimes you're so frustrated you can't even think of something good. It's time to start thinking of something good. My dad once told me, if you look for the bad in people, you'll find it. So look for the good, and let's encourage one another. Where are you supposed to be? Can you see that when David wasn't where he was supposed to be, it found him staring at images that he shouldn't have seen. It found him making decisions that he shouldn't have seen. I want to encourage you. We have so many ways of getting bad images in our head, and it's because you're putting yourself in a position that you shouldn't be in. That will preach. That will change this nation if we can change what we're letting in. Turn your heart back to the Lord. He so desires to move in your life. He so desires to rescue every situation, every mistake. Amen? Amen. Will you guys stand up with me and I'm going to pray for you. I don't care, just bow your heads with me, and I just, wanna, I just want you to ask yourself, where am I supposed to be? When am I not where I'm supposed to be? David, on paper, had it all together, but he still found himself where he wasn't supposed to be. Where am I supposed to be? Just pray for the husbands right now for us to just, for Lord, that you would just awaken us to truth. Instead of looking at what our wives are doing wrong, look at where we're supposed to be and fulfill what you've called us to do. The wives, same thing, where am I supposed to be? What is God's word for our marriage, for husbands and wives? For our kids, are we fulfilling that responsibility? Are we there to hear them when they have a problem? Are we there to help them when they are in need? Are we there to give them encouragement and discipline when they need correcting? Or are we letting other people do that? In our jobs, in our finances, where are we supposed to be? Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask for truth. Are we not at war when we should be? Help us to get back under that covering, under that authority that you've given us, under that authority that you've placed over us. Father, I I pray for dinner time that families would begin to connect with their family. That we would change our gears and not drive so hard at career that we leave family behind. 
Lord, I just pray for the moms and dads in here to get a new perspective of family. And Lord, I just ask for a, for a restoration of family. Here at Church on the Hill, Lord, that you are building a family. We are the body of Christ. We are not a service. We are not a building. We are your body being placed together by you. Just thank you, Lord. Those that are really battling cell phones and video games and other things that are just taking all of our time. Say pornography and stuff that's just got a hold of us. In Jesus' name, I just pray the Spirit of God, the power of God, the blood of Jesus, just break that power that's over us right now. And Lord, that we would just turn and go to war. That we would just start walking in the direction that you've called us to walk. And Lord, that as we begin to walk, that you walk with us. That you never leave us or forsake us. And that, Lord, that you place people around us to help protect us. David had people around him that were warriors to keep the enemy away from him. And, Lord, I know that as we are under your authority, that you place your angels around us. Father, in Jesus' name, let us be in your word. Let us be hearing your voice and let us walk accordingly. And, Lord, I ask you to bless us along the way, to give us um, assurance that you're here. Those that are, are battling marriage, that you would just begin to knit that back together. Those that are having problems with children, that you would just begin to build that relationship again. I just pray for family right now. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. Father, I just pray for the best week that we've ever had this week. Breakthroughs at every turn. Relationships turning around. Lord, I pray for joy. That the joy of the Lord would be our strength. I just pray that the Spirit of God just be upon us. And that we walk out of here in victory. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said...